Uh, good morning. Good morning. How is everybody? Wow, that was really good. Like, you guys have like, come a long way. That was awesome. Like, we're just going to leave it right there. I'm not even going to ask you how you are. I don't have to follow up. Uh, excited to be here this morning and uh, getting to continue on with uh, with our parables. Um, just so you know, you may or may not already be aware, but um, Tim, uh, our lead pastor, Tim, was uh, who is also a, a detective in the city of Mesquite, got called in this morning. Um, so his like, I'm always slated to preach his on-call days, but always hope that he's actually here because he didn't get called in. But uh, I got a text from him this morning that he got called in. And when that happens, it's never, it's never a good thing. Um, so just be in prayer for him uh, as he does his job. Uh, and so uh, just uh, keep that in mind. Uh, let, uh, let's pray, and then we'll dive in. God, I thank you for this day. I thank you for uh, a church family that we can come together and worship you, and uh, we can sing the truths that we know about you. And uh, God, we, we understand who you are, and, and we just want to express that. I pray for Tim as he uh, is out doing his job today that uh, you would protect him, that uh, you would just guide him and uh, as he navigates conversations and, and things that are so, so difficult. Uh, I just pray that your blessing would be upon him and uh, that uh, everything would, would go well. Be with us as we open your word. I pray that you will just be among us and, and teach us to make us more like you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. All right. Well, uh, this morning, before we dive into the text, um, I'm going to share with you another tale uh, from my vacation that involves uh, a restaurant. Um, that, uh, I don't know if you have sensed the thing from my vacations, but... Uh, a lot of the times um, leading up to vacation, it's just like months of dieting and like not enjoying life at all, so that then I can like have really, really good food for like a week, and then we do it again for like the cycle starts. Uh, so this was uh, our second day. Now we like we're in London, so we flew over first day was awesome, like we went to the steakhouse, I learned how to order steak in uh, milligrams or whatever like kind of weird numbers were next to the sizes uh, that weren't ounces, and so just making good guesses. Uh, then the second day, we're trying, like, we're trying to navigate, we're still shaking off, like, what time is it? Like, uh, we're still in that kind of mode, and uh, we had a, a tour booked, and the tour started at 7.30, and this was a Jack the Ripper walking tour. Now, there were two people on the trip. I did not pick this tour. I won't tell you who did, but it wasn't me. Um, and so the thought was, like, the tour starts at 7.30. We have to be there between 7 and 7.15 to get checked in. So we'll take the tour, and then we'll, we'll have dinner after it would be nice. Like, we'll just get to kind of go where we want. Tour can't be that long, right? And so... We're like, we're walking along and uh, there's about 30 people on this tour and uh, by the way, um, there are like five people 
they're by themselves. And if you show up to a Jack the Ripper tour by yourself, I automatically assume that you are some kind of serial killer. <laughs> and I like so at this point I'm no longer engaged in the tour. I'm watching these five individuals uh, to kind of like stay safe. I was planning uh, my strategy and, and by that I mean like if something went down, I knew like who I was gonna trip so that I could run. Um, if you're if we're ever in a situation with me Stick with me. I'm really fast. We will get away. I promise. Um, no, no, I would not like. I would fight valiantly, as far as you know. Um, so, like, we're walking. We make a couple stops, and I realize like a lot of the stuff from the movies hasn't even come up yet, and I'm kind of wondering. So, like, we're in between stops, and I'm walking next to the tour guide, and so I'm talking to him and having a conversation. <laughs> hey, so, like, how many of these a week do you do? He's like, oh, I try to do about five or so a week. Oh, that's cool. Like, do you do, like, two or three a day or what? And he goes, well, uh, really, I can only do one a day because the tour is around two, two and a half hours long. And so it was at this point that dread fully set in. And we continued to walk around. And then when the tour ended, it was close to 10 o'clock, and uh, we were unaware that in London, the restaurants, like the sidewalks, instantly fold up and they all close <laughs> down at 10 o'clock. So we're walking and like every place we're going in, hey, kitchen's still open. No, 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 no. And I learned the night before that all the convenience stores next to the Airbnb were staying also closed down. So it's my reality that I'm going to eat the cubes of sugar that are inside <laughs> our Airbnb for dinner is like quickly setting in. And we found the one place that was open, and it was an American diner. Um, and so just a real healthy dose of what they think we are like. Um, there was posters of Evil Knievel on the wall, and like fuzzy dice uh, were very much in the mix. Uh, there were huge blown-up pictures of muffler shops in New Mexico, just like a, a truck broken down in front of a muffler shop with just like stacks of mufflers and like sagebrush. Um, I can only assume that's what their vision of like New York City is. I'm not like I'm not really sure. Uh, and then everything on the menu was like corn dogs and uh, hamburgers. Uh, I ordered a beverage that came in a chilled bottle and they brought me a cup of ice to go with it because I'm an American and we put ice in everything and everything had ketchup and mustard on it um, and that was our great dining experience that we had and I tell you that uh, to let you know one that uh, not every meal was amazing and there are like there are other stories along like we learned last time about Papa Francesco's I won't go back down that road but uh, and two that perceptions get created about what things are like from a distance. And those perceptions are really just exaggerations of stuff that's kind of true. Because at some point, somebody came over to New Mexico and ate at a diner across the street from a muffler shop and thought, this is what America is. Like, this is what Americans are like. And unfortunately, like, we live in a country that has a vision of what Christians are like and what church is like and what if they walk through the doors of our homes or into our churches, how they will be treated, how they'll be perceived. And that's what we're going to talk about today. 
Uh, so if you will, turn with me to Luke chapter 18, <coughs> verses 9 through 14. Stand with me as, as we read. Again, this is Luke chapter 18, verses 9 through 14. He also told this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and treated others with contempt. Two men went up into the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee, standing by himself, prayed thus God, I thank you that I am not like the other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I get. But the tax collector, standing far off, would not even lift his eyes to heaven, but beat his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but the one who humbles himself will be exalted. Amen. You can be seated. So... We see here a parable, and um, in this series of, of parables, we talked um, a few weeks ago about who's, who's my neighbor, and uh, Tim led us through uh, the uh, Good Samaritan, and we saw that your neighbor is anyone other than yourself, regardless of what they look like, regardless of who they are, <coughs> regardless of, of their past or your past, it's anyone that you're to show love to. And then last week we talked about uh, the parable of the talents and how God has given each of us uh, things in our life and, and callings in our life and it, it is for us to go out and follow that calling. And they might be different uh, than what other people's are, but we are called to follow. And this week uh, we're studying the Pharisee and the tax collector. You might have heard this referred to as the Pharisee and the publican. And uh, it's this parable about two men, both in the same place, both doing the same thing, one walking away justified and one not. And that's a very scary place for us to find ourselves because we like to think, well, if I can just do this thing that this other person is doing, then I, like, I'll be justified. If they're justified, then I can just follow that pattern and I can check that box, and I can find myself in a place where I'm justified. But the reality is, is it's a condition of your heart. And a lot of people really struggle with Christians and with the church because we find ourselves relying on ourselves and then elevating ourselves. And so that is really what we're going to talk about today. So let's give some context to what's going on here. So... Two men come into the temple. One is a Pharisee. Now, a Pharisee would be a religious leader, someone who studied the law, who knew the law, and who kept it, like every, every way. And they would wear these long robes with, with tassels so that you could see them from afar and you would know. They would actually uh, write out scripture and put it in a little scroll and wear it in a box on their head so that uh, everyone could see how religious they were. And you can see from, from what he says here, like, I, I do all the stuff. I follow all the laws, and I give my tithes, and I do all this stuff, and I don't do any of the bad things. And so there were this group of people who claimed to be religious, claimed to follow God, but in all actuality just relied on themselves. 
and were just consumed with what they could do and how they were perceived. And then you have a man who is a tax collector or a publican. And to really understand what that is, I, I think we have to kind of dive deeper in, into what's going on there. See, there were, there were men in Rome, and they were called the publicani. And what they would do is they would buy the rights to certain sections of the Roman Empire, and they would pay for that, so they would pay the, the Roman government, and then they would be responsible for collecting the taxes in that area. So it would essentially be somebody in Washington, D.C. saying, like, I'm going to buy Oak Cliff, and I'm going to pay the government up front for the rights to collect the taxes of Oak Cliff. And so the government has their money, they're happy, they don't have to worry about it, and now this person can go in and collect taxes as they see fit. And then they would hire, this, this person would hire someone locally to then run other people. So each neighborhood essentially would have a tax collector or a publican that would, that would come by and collect taxes. And the way that they made money was through extortion. So they would collect more taxes than what was really owed. Um, because they're ones collecting taxes, so they would... They would also convert, if you couldn't pay your taxes, they might take a piece of land from you and sell it, convert it into money. So they also had the money. So if you needed a loan, if you fell on hard times, like this is who you would go to, and they would charge crazy high interest rates on these loans, and that's how they made their money. But let's go a step further into thinking about this because this would have been, this would have been a person who... Uh, was a Hebrew, a Jewish person that was working as a tax collector. Now think about the culture of that time. Whatever, like, you did whatever your dad did. It would get passed down, like, that's how things would go. So if you found yourself in this space where you were a tax collector, something had gone wrong. Like, that, that relationship with your family was more than likely fractured because you weren't in the family business anymore. You weren't a carpenter, you weren't, you weren't a farmer, you weren't a shepherd like your father had been. That relationship had been fractured and now you found yourself in this space where you are essentially extorting the people around you, your people, for the sake of the Roman government. <coughs> so that, like, that's the disparity here and sort of the, the hatred for this tax collector, and that's what Jesus is doing. He is saying, this person that you despise so much, and this person that, that you look down on and that you hate, that you think is the worst of the worst, this is the person who's walking away justified. And so that's kind of where we see things set up. Like, that's, that's the dynamic that's happening here. And we, like, now we... Like, we're squared away enough to know that we can't judge people on, on their jobs, right? So you know, like I, can't, like, I can't say my job's better than your job and get away with it. Like, we're smarter than that, but we find other ways. We go, thank goodness that, that I'm not like this person. Thank goodness that I'm not divorced. Thank goodness that I'm not a single parent. Thank goodness that I don't have a record, that I don't have a past, that I don't have things about me that people see as unsavory. And because I don't have that stuff in my past, 
And because I check all these boxes over here that I perceive to be good, then I can stand up and say, look at me, I'm justified. When really, I'm just depending on myself. And we see, this, we see these two prayers come up. The, the one from the Pharisee and the, the Greek translation here he said is, could be translated, he prayed unto himself. And that's a very, very dangerous spot for us to find, a place for us to find ourselves. Um, Matthew, chapter, uh, Matthew chapter 7, verse 21 through 23 says this, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of the Father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name? And then will I declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. You see, it's a condition of the heart. It's not an outward box that we can check. It's not an outward thing that we can do. And we find our, and that's a very scary place for us to step into, right? Because we want to know, like, it's, it's everything, like, it's everything that we set up around ourselves, right? Like, I know that if I get a contract on my apartment and I pay my rent, they can't make me leave. That's all I have to do. I have to pay my rent. And, or if... You know, if I, if I buy a car and I make my payments, I, they, like, they can't take it away from me. It's my car. And we want, we want that kind of thing when it comes to God and, and our relationship with God. We want to be able to say, no, 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 like I did this and I did this. I read my Bible and I went to church and I put some money in the plate and I sang the songs and I even told other people about it. But all the while, we're just checking boxes for ourselves there's no there's no real connection there's no real heart change going on and we find ourselves lost in our niceness you see our churches are full there are people all over the city right now in church lost in their niceness because everything's good around me and I don't rock the boat and I check all the boxes so, what do we do? What's the solution? Romans chapter 14, verses 10 through 12 says this, Why do you pass judgment on your, on your brother? Or you, why do you despise your brother? For we will all stand before the judgment seat of God, for it is written, As I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me, every tongue shall confess. So then each of us will give an account of himself to God. You see, when it comes to sin and it comes to place and it comes to the condition of a person, we keep our eyes on our own paper. You have to give an account for yourself to God. Just like the parable of the talents that we studied last week, God is going to come and he's going to ask you, what did you do with the life that I gave you? Because what we have isn't ours. And the things around us we don't own we don't possess. We are journeying through life, and God is going to hold us accountable for what we do. And it's not going to help us to point to somebody else and be like, but I did better than them. But at least I'm not like that. But you're good with me because I didn't do this. You see, it's a condition 
of the heart. James chapter 2, verses 8 to 13 says this, If you really fulfill the royal law according to the scripture, you shall love your neighbor as yourself, you are doing well. But if you show partiality, you are committing sin and are convicted by the law as transgressors. For whoever keeps the whole law but fails in one point has become guilty of it all. For he who said do not commit adultery also said do not commit murder. If you do not commit adultery but do murder, you have become a transgressor of the law. So speak and so act as those who are to be judged under the law of liberty. For judgment is without mercy on the one who has shown no mercy. Mercy triumphs over judgment. You see that that's the point of it all. When you see someone who's different than you, when you see someone who's downtrodden, whose life is rough, who hasn't had things go their way, that should compel you to mercy rather than to judgment. Rather than to say, thank goodness I'm not like that. And really where we find ourselves a lot in today's culture comes around around this idea that I have more going on than anybody else. And so really where, where we come to and, and where it hits home for us is we go, God, thank you that I'm not lazy like so-and-so. Thank you that I care enough to be a better parent than that guy. <coughs> thank you that I work harder than this person. Thank you that I'm not lazy like so-and-so. That no matter what, I make it to church, and I read my Bible, and I try to do things here and there. But the reality is we're just running in our own circle, depending on ourselves. Matthew chapter 9 Verses 11 through 13 says, And when the Pharisees saw this, they said to his disciples, Why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? But when he heard it, he said, Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. Go and learn what this means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice, for I came not to call the righteous, but sinners. You see, the place where we should find ourselves is with that tax collector with that publican, saying, God, forgive me, a sinner. Because we can understand that when we get that mercy from God, then we can run out and we can take it to everybody else around us. And we can say, I don't care where you are, I don't care what you're like, I don't care where you find yourself. God is merciful, and I know he's merciful because he was merciful to me. Because my story about all the cool stuff that I do and about how good I am is worthless to anybody else. But my story about how God forgave me and brought me out of a pit, that's something that everybody can use. And that's something that everybody needs to hear. And that's something that everybody needs to grab onto. But me being able to do something cool, doesn't matter. So what I want us to walk away with Mark chapter 6, verse 34 says this, When he went ashore, he saw a great, a great crowd, and he had compassion on them, because they were like sheep without a shepherd, and he began to teach them many things. See, we need to see people in the way that Jesus saw them. He saw a crowd, and he had compassion on them, because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So when you're out there and you run into those people 
that are different than you and that maybe irritate you or grates you a little bit, that you can't figure them out, that should compel you to mercy. You should see them as Jesus sees them because you understand that you need mercy and that they need mercy and that that's the thing that, they have, that we have in common. It's not look for the good in people. It's look for the need in people. Because we all have the same need and we all have the same answer to that need. And that's a Savior who loves us and cares about us enough to come and die on the cross so that we can be reconnected to Christ. Or so that we can be reconnected to God. So that we can be sons and daughters together as equals because we have a God that showed us all the same mercy. Let's pray. And then we're going to sing a little more. God, thank you for loving us enough to come and die for us. God, thank you for that mercy that you showed us. God, I pray that we would be reminded daily of the mercy that we received received, and that we would constantly be telling others that they can have the same thing. That no matter where we are, no matter what's going on, no matter what boxes we've checked or not checked, that we can say, there is a God who loves you and there's mercy waiting for you. God, I just pray that that in our jobs, in our neighborhoods, with our families, that people would know that we're broken and we have a God to save us. In Jesus' name I pray.